Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. We've been talking over the last several weeks, just leading up to this, uh, we're having a conversation entitled The Money Talk. And my purpose in just following what God is saying is to give you an opportunity specifically to be prepared for what God is doing in our midst. Um, and, and so to have a biblical understanding. And, and last week we really stepped into um, this, this uh, type of an anointing that, that I think God uh, does some, some really interesting things. And we started in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. So those of you who are following along on the uh, YouVersion app, these notes look similar to last week. It's because they are uh, similar to last week. And, and as I pressed in this week, I, I heard God saying to me, make sure and go back over that because it was new to most. And, and so if you would please um, just recognize that if you think you got this, You've heard all these things. Please do your best to keep your heart open because God wants to change some of the perspectives that that you have. Tracy and I have have spent the last several months just talking about the willingness message and and some of these other things that God's been doing in our life. And and what we've found is that God has begun, or what I've found, I don't want to necessarily speak for her, what I've found is God has begun to release some of the things that, that that were so deep in my heart that I didn't have words for them. And all of the sudden, God began to give me words. You want to take somebody with you? Children's Church, if you are three years old, I, did, I didn't see my sign. I'm sorry, Melinda. So if you're from three years old to, to uh, uh, whatever it is, first grade, sorry. I finally opened my eyes and saw her standing back there. I know she's probably waving at me and, and, and I'm, I, whether you realize this or not, I see better in the spirit with my eyes closed than with them open. And, and so I, I sometimes, you know, people say, did you really have your eyes closed? Yeah, that's when I about step off the, the platform is when I have my eyes closed. Because I see better. I read better in the spirit. Um, and you say, well, how do you do that? I don't know. It's always been there. From the time I was, from the time I was born again, when, when, when the Lord, it's Hebrews chapter 4, just turn there. See, now don't do that, pastor. Just stay on course. The first time that I remember getting significant revelation from from God was this verse and uh, this verse in first John 2 that talks about you have an anointing and you don't need a man to teach you because I wanted to go to Bible school so bad I was begging God and and I've told this story a number of times but we've had we had two or three going away parties that we never went away from people gave us money to go away we stayed jokes on you Uh, and had a, had a brother in the Lord say that he'd pay for me to go to Fuller Theological Seminary. That sounded like a good idea to me, and God didn't agree. And, and so I just got revelation from, from the Word um, on a regular basis. I thought that's the way everybody was. I just thought that you opened the Bible, you looked at it, and parts of it just came alive like magic. You know, just boom. You go, wow. And you just understand in a millisecond what has taken hundreds of years for man to goof up. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper, living, powerful. See, you can just stop there and just, I could, I could preach for hours on that. The Bible is a living testament of God's intent. And when we talk about ways and intents, remember, 
his way is the only way. His way, his life, right? His way is only one of those. That's the boundary of life that we live in. His intent is what he speaks to us through that living word. It's oftentimes described as a revelation, but really it's just the living word that comes to us. It changes us. This is one of those where the Bible says the word is living. It's active. It's sharper. Thank you. Just as you hear me hitting those quotes, because I'm not looking at my notes, you just put them up there, brother. I bet Paul loved that last week. What do you think? Oh, hey, he's not here today, so it chased him off. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, please, verse number 12. It says, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Literally brings to a disconnect between two things that look like they cannot be disconnected. And he says, the joints in the marrow, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, last week I made a big deal out of this, and I'm going to do it again. The natural understanding is it helps us discern our heart. But as maturing Christians, many of you recognize that you already know that your heart takes a turn when you don't want it to sometimes. There's certain things that still live in your heart. So we do need that part of the Word of God. But it's also <laughs> in us to help us to discern the heart of God. And if you miss that part of it, you'll go through life living short of what God's intent is for you. Now again, God's intent is discovered as we submit to living from His ways. He is the way, the life, and the truth. We submit to that and His ways which are set. It's the boundary of life's puzzle. That's how it works right there. But then our part, again, <coughs> we've discovered that or discussed that as the parts of the puzzle that come out of the box already put together. Your life was put together by God. You didn't realize it until you got born again and until the parts of you that are specifically designed because you are you to God, those parts began to be connected to the boundary or to the ways of God. So you don't get to do your own stuff. You don't get to do your own ways. You don't need to come up with your own truth. I'm always amazed when people think they have their own truth. That's a fool. You do not get to have your own truth. No matter how much gyration you do, you do not get to make up your own truth. That's God's deal. And so we find that in Hebrews chapter 4, that he is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Is a two-sided promise for me that God also helps us discern the thoughts and intents of God. Now listen to me. The intent of God will always take you past who you think you are. The intent of God will always take you further than who you think you are. Because you see, as you've cooperated with the Bible and done whatever you think you're supposed to be doing, you've taken yourself to the place that you thought you were supposed to go. But the intent of God will always take you further than that. Because he's not depending on you to do what you can do. God doesn't help those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. If you will back the line up and admit your weakness earlier in life, earlier in a situation, you can trust the strength of God quicker. Does that make sense? And so sometimes what we need to do is just embrace the weakness of our flesh. You say, well, but pastor... You know, shouldn't I work on that? 
Let me help you with something. You'll be better off if you work on your strengths. You understand why? God wired you for them. Did you know that if you spend an hour a day over the course of five years on anything, one hour a day on anything, at the end of that five years, you'll be an expert on that one thing. Hour, one hour a day. What if you took what you were naturally predisposed by God to have and spent an hour a day just functioning on that strength? At the end of that five years, you'd look more like him. Which is what you want. But see, we're, we're, so, we're so burdened down by what we don't do well in Christ. Come on, how many of you ever said to yourself, you don't pray enough? You ever done that? Did you know that God doesn't have a time clock? He's not going to punch the button and say, okay, here's your time. In fact, many of you have misinterpreted prayer. You believe prayer is when you talk to God. Real prayer is when he talks to you. So skip over your part, since you already know that part, and so does he. And set aside a time when you listen. Because when you listen to God, you will find that he will speak to you in areas that he's wired you to understand in ways that are completely different than most people. Okie dokie. Open in your, so I, I used Jeremiah 29 11 last week. It's in your notes probably. Let me just take you down through all of these so we can get to where we need to be for today. And he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Listen, now listen co closely. The principle in the Old Testament, now this is spoken to the children of Israel who just were, were taken captive by a group of people and they're going to stay there for 70 years. Okay? So Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are going to take them. They're going to keep them for 70 years at God's instruction. And God says, now I know what I think about you. At the end of this 70 years, here's what's going to happen. How many of you think 70 years is a long time? Yeah. If you don't want to cooperate with that, you can try to do what God says he's going to do in your own strength. But that in and of itself is evil. When you use your own strength to bring to pass God's stuff, it's evil. You, God never said depend on yourself. In fact, he said cooperate with your crucifixion. But most of us are using a spiritual defibrillator to keep our ugly part alive. Sometimes when I'm out and about and I see that that ugly part of me, I just kind of yell inside, clear! Because <laughs> I know that I'm bringing life into that part of me that's supposed to be dead. And I want to recognize that and stop it. You know, why wouldn't we cooperate with the deadness that God designed for us? Yeah, nobody has an answer for that. How many of you have been angry 
I said, oh, yeah, but pastor, you know, the Bible says be angry and don't let, you know, don't let the sun go down on your, on, your, on, your, on your anger or whatever it says there. And of course, we think it's okay to have righteous anger, except your righteous anger only looks righteous to you. Because we're willing to use any means necessary to accomplish what our opinion is. Rather than crucifying the flesh and saying, God, I want what you want so desperately. I want you to use me the way you see fit. I want to be able to sacrifice my comfort on the altar of God's will. You say, well, golly's pastor, are you that serious about it? Well, I've run out of options. I've just run out of options. If you don't want to cooperate with his crucifixion, then you're in rebellion for his plan for your life. And there's a broken part in the boundary of your puzzle. And so you'll, you'll leak out that boundary and live outside the boundary on a regular basis. But once the boundary is set up through your cooperation with the crucifixion of your own flesh, it won't be broken again. And you'll never step outside the boundary. I didn't say you wouldn't sin. Right? Sinning is when you take spiritual scissors to the puzzle piece that you're sure that fits right here. But you have to trim it a little bit. That's your ways. Put the scissors down. Stop cutting the puzzle pieces. Because when you get all done, the pieces that are left won't fit anywhere. Because you built the inside of the picture according to your image. Uh, nobody wants that. He says, I know what I have. These thoughts, these intentions, this plan. Literally, the, 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 the Hebrew dictionary says the invention that comes from that thinking. God plans, I mentioned this a little bit in Sunday school, God plans to give you the kind of, of wisdom that comes from him thinking about you. See, when you realize that God has made you able to hold more of his stuff, you'll recognize that if you'll give that away, he'll give you more. You keep giving it away, keep emptying yourself out. Because, see, God doesn't consider full until it runs over. God doesn't consider it full until it runs over. Right? I love... The idea of surface tension. You all know what surface tension is? The molecules are being held together. If you do it in a cup of water, you can actually start to round that water up a little bit. Because of surface tension, those molecules don't want to let go of each other. Surface tension is human holding it together right before God breaks through and just runs over everywhere. And you've got no more control once surface tension is broken. Do you get that? So we don't, oh, don't overfill it. You know, listen to me carefully. If you're only praying for your own needs, your surface tension is holding back the dynamic plan that God has for you in your finances. See, you've got this tension right here that says, I got this, God. And you, you're so happy because it's crowned up, right? It, it's, 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 it's got, you, you look down at it, it's got this little round thing where the molecules, the molecules of human intention... Just refuse to let go of each other. But then all of a sudden, one drip extra. And that tension is broke. 
And what was once above the glass is now all over. We need to get to that point where we no longer embrace the surface tension. Do you all know what surface tension is spiritually? Where you say, well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I don't want to go too far. I mean, what if I'm one of those kind of religious fanatic people? Listen to me. A fanatic is only someone who believes more than you do. And you're not the standard. Jesus is a real fanatic. Right? And none of you got to that place, but you have this surface tension that keeps you back from, right, surface tension. Tracy and I, I grew up in the restaurant business. Tracy and I's first job while we were running from God um, <laughs> was in the restaurant business. And I got to where I could pour coffee. If you've seen servers like this, you know, and you pour like this and lift it up really high, you know, and it's always hitting the deal, right? And, and did you know that if you get a little surface tension on a cup of coffee, it's real hard on people because they don't know what to do because if they touch it, it spills. If they put their lips down there, it spills. They don't know what to do with the surface tension. All right. So when we're in Christianity, the surface tension that we have is when we don't know what to do with what God has given us. You're already rounded up. But he says, full to overflowing. I'll pour out stuff that there's not room enough to contain. Right? It's throughout. The intent is throughout the Bible. So our surface tension is when we don't know what to do with what God has given us. See, because we think we need to control it in our humanness. That's what we're talking about today. Is understanding his intent, right? All right, so God's intent is to reveal to us, even to the point of invention, how this turns out. Does that make sense? See, you can't walk forward in the revelation knowledge that God gives you until you figure out, according to God, how this is going to turn out. Don't raise your hands. Don't get embarrassed. But how many of you have ever had a situation where you couldn't see how it was going to turn out and your determination about how it was going to turn out was bad? You listen to somebody. It works really well in the medical deal because when their surface tension holds back the things of God they will tell you what their best understanding of medical knowledge is it'll just be heaped up of knowledge right there one drop of God overflows it I'm just looking for the drop just one drop of God in this in this in, in, in intellectual world that's that's heaped up but you see if, if you don't understand this you won't know how it turns how it turns out How many of you think heaven is cool? I mean, I think heaven is really cool. How many of you know you have to die to get there? How many of you want to die? <laughs> See, you understand the surface tension? Because I, I, can, I could ask you three or four questions, but it would take too long. But you get to that place, you go, yes, heaven is cool. I want to get there. Hallelujah. And then we work so hard to not get there. Why? It's the surface tension. It's intellectual conflict over what God has presented to us. Are you tracking with me? Because if not, see, I'm not really talking about money right now. I'm really talking about life. But you all have surface tension in relationship to money. It's the 15th of the month, 17th, whatever today is. Christmas is in one week. If you got more kids... To buy for, then you got money. 
you understand tension. Right? You're meditating on it. How am I going to do? How can I make this happen? Well, you know, well, they want this. And how many of you have ever had a child who wanted more than your budget could do? Yeah. When you're young in the Lord, the reason your budget doesn't work is because if you spend that money on them, you can't spend it on you. Come on. Come on, dads. Look at me. How many ever bought your two-year-old a BB gun? They didn't need a BB gun. My oldest son bought all of the grandchildren knives one year for Christmas. Whose idea was that? I bought my oldest son before he was two a remote control car. And we had a remote control car. That he could watch me work. I bought my wife, for one of our anniversaries, my favorite album. How many of you are understanding the surface tension idea? That's just you. One drop of God will run that all over. And guess what runs out? The part that you are most trying to save. Say, all that surface stuff, God will deal with that right off the bat. You'll say, well, I don't like that. Well, he didn't like it either, so go ahead and cooperate. See, it'll never, your, your intentions will never produce the intention of God. I say it this way, you cannot plant a seed to produce greed. You can't. All right, turn with me. Did I tell you where to turn? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me show you this. You can go back in your notes and you can look at all this stuff and, and see if it made sense. But what we really need to figure out is how this stuff turns out. God tells us how life turns out throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 9. Are you ready? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. In this passage of Scripture, God reveals to us His intent. First of all, He says, you are His worker and you are what he's building in his field. You are God's fellow workers, right? You're, you're working with him in God's field and God's building, what he's building inside of you. All of you are this way. Every one of you are being built by God. Every one of you have the way, the truth, and the life as your boundaries, but you, who you are as a Christian, is that part of the puzzle that came up to, already put together, and now you're trying to be the building blocks connecting you to the boundary, connecting you to God's strength, connecting you to God's ways, connecting you to God's best through these things. Amen? Okay, look at it now. This is verse number 9 again. We're God's fellow workers. You're God's field and you are God's building. According to the grace which was given to me. Now notice what Paul is doing here. Out of the overflow of his cup, according to the grace that was given to me. So out of the overflow of grace in his cup, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. We could translate that and say that he has caused people to recognize the foundation because in the next verse he says this is a foundation that no one else can lead and lay and it's the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So he's only pointing out by his wise master buildership 
the ability to build on the foundation that is already laid. You see, here's what happened in churches all over uh, the world is they come up with a new foundation that isn't of Jesus. You know, commonly called cults. And they begin to build their building outside of the walls of boundary. Here's what it means. And they'll tell you all that kind of stuff, you know, and they'll say, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Well, you don't believe the same Jesus I did or you wouldn't have built right there. You wouldn't have built on that. Does that make sense or not? I mean, we got whole denominations of people, and maybe you don't consider them Christians, but, you know, we've got denominations that think that there's only going to be 144,000 people to get saved. They're building outside the foundation of Jesus Christ. We've got people building a foundation that, 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 that are building on a foundation that says that you're not the first do of you. You've been redone. Only so many spirits. And so you keep, you keep being born into this, into this spirit world. And all of a sudden, now don't laugh because you got one of them churches in Yuma. And you keep graduating up. You die and then you get to come back. I mean, that's Hinduism. McDonald's is walking the street in India and people are starving. Kill the cow. Dear Lord. I mean, some of them look like they're barely alive anyway when you see them. Skinny old cows. That's the only thing they're good for. Hamburger. Let's have a barbecue. You say, don't make fun of them, Pastor. They're building outside the foundation of Jesus Christ. They're not of us. Just tap the brakes, Pastor. Don't be going there all the time. Notice what it says. He says, the grace of God. So, so, so Paul recognized how he was made. He connected the puzzle pieces to the boundary or to the ways of God. And he knows that other people connect to him and to the, to the, uh, uh, to the boundaries by what he builds. See, he, he, he knew that. It's grace that taught him that. Notice what else it says. As a wise master build, I've laid the foundation and another builds upon it. Let each one, pay attention, let each one take heed how he builds on it. You cannot let me build your building. It's not me. I'm merely telling you, make sure that when you connect, you connect to the ways of God through the intent of God. Connect to the ways of God through the intent of God. God intends for us to be blessed. Don't connect to each other because you can all have a, a societal pity party about how God doesn't hold up his end of the deal. There's whole churches full of people like that. They use poverty and depression as marks of grandeur in the things of God. God didn't intend it to be that way. Okay. Verse number, last half of 10, it says, but let each one take heed. It literally means to have a perception of understanding about how God builds. A perception of understanding. Do, do you understand that when you pray improperly, not according to God's words, that your prayers fall out of your mouth and to the ground dead on arrival? Take heed how you build. 
When you pray outside of God's boundaries, and you say, well, I don't know all of God's boundaries. Yeah, I'd help you if you would, lose some of them. But, but anyway, when, when you pray, it falls out, right? To the ground, it's dead on arrival. Why? Because it does not carry the living DNA of God's word. When you pray God's word, it carries the living DNA of his word. It can't help but produce what its intention was. That's what Isaiah 55 said. My word doesn't return void, but it prospers in the thing in which I sent it. Are we together? So, so when you take heed, you say, well, I'm just going to pray because I know God wants this. You don't know nothing of the swords. See, what you think you know is if you pray just right, nothing bad ever happens. If you pray enough, nothing bad ever happens. I mean, look at your row. Some of these folks in here have been through a lot. And I'll guarantee you, they were praying. They were praying. You say, well, why doesn't it always work, Pastor? I don't know. But I know why it works. Because God's living word carries with it the DNA of his created integrity. He spoke it into existence. Take heed, it says in verse number 10. Now look at verse number 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Please understand regardless of the idiosyncrasies of what we believe as a church and what others believe, that generally speaking, the foundation of Jesus Christ, salvation through faith in Jesus alone, is the only way to get in. The way, the truth, and the life. Those are the things that every Bible-believing, Jesus-honoring, God-worshipping church holds sacred and the same. Okay, So churches all over may have a bit of a rodeo when it comes to how their church services go. You never know what's going to happen next. But when you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you have some options. When you build outside of the foundation of Jesus Christ, you have no options. If your option outside of the foundation doesn't work, you are dead in the water. By the way, when you're dead outside the foundation of God, you get to go to the hot place. Are you tracking with me? The living place are for those who accept that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Does that make sense? See, that, that's why the ways are so important. When you get outside of those things. So, so let's look at it this way. Let's talk about our puzzle. Every puzzle in here, put together, finished, looks like Jesus. When you bring all your pieces together, not just this church, but the church of Jesus Christ, when we bring all these things together and every joint supplies, we have a picture of Jesus. Right? That makes sense? So what good would it do for you to build something outside of that foundation that doesn't look like Jesus? That won't help you. So he said, take heed, take heed how you build because you're going to give, be given some options. Look at verse number 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation 
with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Now let's just make a couple of real quick understandings of this. Three of them are difficult to attain. Three of them are available anywhere. Does that make sense? We can go outside the doors of this church right now, or even inside. There's probably some rocks in here somewhere because you carried them in on your shoes, right, from the, from the parking lot. And there's probably some wood in here. We may not have any straw or hay or stubble or whatever that is, but, but it's, it's easily attainable. Easily attainable. But it takes a ton of raw ore in the best gold mines of the world. It takes a ton of raw ore to produce an ounce of gold. 2,000 pounds to one troy ounce. Does that make sense? It's harder to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. So the first thing is, God isn't asking us to build with what's readily available. God is not asking us to build with what is readily available. It's so much easier to build with what's readily available. You know, Tracy and I spent some time in the Amazon basin. And here's what we learned. There are no rocks in the Amazon. No rocks. Thinking, hmm. If you have a house made of stone in the central part of Brazil, you are considered a wealthy person because all the rock has to come from southern Brazil a thousand miles away. All they have in southern Brazil is rocks. If you have a house built out of wood in southern Brazil, you're considered wealthy. It's all about what's readily available. It's what's readily available. So it's not the literal side of things as much as it is that figurative side. There are some things that aren't readily available that we should build with. Gold. Something that's been tried through fire. See, you don't get a build on the foundation of Jesus Christ with you as a person until your person is tried by fire. You are God's building. You're being built by becoming the gold. You connect to other people who have become the gold. The precious stones, the silver, all of them have... They've come up with a new way now, and you'll see if you watch any TV at all, you'll see that they have laboratory-produced gems where they, they squish carbon molecules, and lo and behold, if you squish them hard enough, long enough, you make a diamond. Okay? And they can make a, a fairly perfect diamond. Fairly perfect. Except the ones that come out of the ground are harder because they've been tested by the time it took for God to create the earth the way it existed and for man to discover that gem. See, it, 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 you just don't go dig a hole in the ground and find a diamond. God puts these, 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 these molecules under enormous pressure by his design. He intends for each and every one of you by design to shine like a precious stone. See, the pressures that God puts on your flesh are there on purpose 
to produce a precious stone. By the way, other people are attracted by shiny stuff. They will come to you when your life looks like it's been tested by fire and by the pressures of God and go, how did you make it through that? And you shine in glory, from glory to glory, the glory of your humanness into the glory of the image of God. You shine in the picture that God makes out of you through what you went through. You're building his building. Does that make sense? Okay, so when you do these kinds of things, you have to recognize that God does not want you to use what's readily available. He wants you to use what's been tested or proven or brought through the experiences of his ways in your life. It starts with your salvation. If you had pre-salvation friends that are no longer your friends, welcome to the pressures of Jesus Christ's living. You just can't hang with those folks anymore. Say, I had to give up my friend. No, you didn't. You didn't have to. You chose to. Why? Because under that pressure, God changed you and your puzzle pieces no longer fit together. Amen. Notice it says, each one's work. Verse uh, 13. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. He promises. This is God's intent. Many people don't like this because they don't have an appropriate viewpoint. How many of you remember the story of Daniel? Specifically when he was thrown into the furnace. Okay. Three guys went in. How many guys came out? Who danced on the fire with the three guys? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. Somebody's dancing in there with him. What does that tell us principle-wise? That in the midst of the fire, those three guys had a party. Why? Because Jesus joined them. That makes sense? That's the fire. Let Jesus join you. You say, well, I just can't. No, you see, your problem is not that you won't let Jesus uh, join you. It's that you don't see the end result right. You don't see that after the work is tested by fire, that it comes out as a building approved by God. The end result is better than anything you could imagine. And you say, but I don't like going through this. If you knew that all you had to do today after church service was get in your car and drive to wherever. And when you got there, there would be a smiling Jesus with a sack full of all your desires for you. Would you get in the car and drive? Of course you would. But you see, they have yet to build a car that's all that comfortable to ride in. I mean, I need, I need my car, first of all, as much as I hate saying this, I need my car to drive itself. My car has this button that Tracy pushes because <laughs> she likes it. And every time that my car sees the middle line or the sideline coming, <laughs> it vibrates me on whatever side. 
Right? If I get too close to the middle, I get a little deal in the, in the left hip. If I get a little close to the ditch, I get a deal in the right hip. I understand there are newer cars that will actually whip you out of that and put you back in the middle of the road. I need that. Because <laughs> you see, in the fire of living, I'm being tested by my car. You say... What? Yeah, I've been tested that every time I want to light the car on fire, every time it buzzes me. In fact, occasionally I just, when Tracy's not looking, I just push the button that's on the dashboard that makes it quit vibrating. Because until the car, like, rock and rolls in the dirt, I haven't left the road yet. And so we're good, right? And so here's the thing. When you're building in your character, right, and you say, well, it's okay if I just get over here a little bit. And you, you, you sense that little vibration or that little check in your heart. Just this little, little check, right? And you go, oh, it'll be okay. I didn't do anything bad yet. And God will forgive me. I got good insurance. I've confessed Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven. Yay me. See, I got Holy Ghost insurance. And yet what God wants us to do is to build with things that are not readily available. He wants us to stay on the narrow path. That's his ways, people of God. It says in verse number um, 13, it become clear the day will declare because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work which is built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Isn't that interesting? He receives a reward. Now, I don't really have time to flesh this out, but I might in the weeks to come. But you need to understand that the reward you're looking for may not be the reward that God is offering. The reward you're looking for, in many people's life, it's comfort, may not be the reward that He gives, which is Him walking arm in arm and carrying you when necessary. It's a different kind of reward, isn't it? You see, if you see it right, you can go through anything knowing that you're hand in hand with Jesus. Anything. You say, well, pastor, are you mean we're going to go through terrible things? I'm, I'm saying you're seeing the terrible things wrong. If you know the end result, it's not terrible anymore. Amen? I don't, I'm, I'm just not done yet. Romans chapter 12. Here's Paul talking about it again. Paul does a lot of, does a lot of, of teaching or, or revelation um, that, that relate to the intent of God. Um, you, you, Jesus is the way, the, the, the truth and the life. That, that's revealed. That's the only way. But then the, the gospel writers come along and they begin to, to, to give you this understanding a little bit of God's intent. You know, in First John, one of my favorite scriptures, First John chapter 2, it says the anointing teaches you things. The anointing teaches you things. See, God intends to teach you things through His presence with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look at this one. Romans chapter 12, look at verse number 3. For I say through the grace given to me. Notice that when Paul says this a lot, but he's talking about how he realized that grace had made him into a different person. 
You know, when, when, when Paul was riding the donkey on the way to Damascus to kill Christians, you know, Jesus kicked him off his horse, kicked him off his donkey, and he fell to the ground blind. You know, um, God's intent, here's a newsflash, God's intent was to get Paul saved. And the only way to do that was to get him still for a moment and, are you ready, take away his earthly sight. Because he saw Christianity as a threat to Judaism. Had to take away his sight. And then if you read the story carefully in Acts chapter 8, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there. The, the prophet came to him and God called the prophet Agabus or whatever his name was to come to him. He says, you need to go and show him what he must suffer for my name's sake. We got it all backwards when we're so concerned about suffering. All backwards. But we'll talk about that sometime in the future. See, what Paul says is when grace was given to him, it changed who he was. He says, now out of who I am, out of the connection that I have to the ways of God, the way, the truth, and the life, out of the connections I have with that, this is what God intends to do. Look at this, verse number three. For this I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now remember... Inside of God's intent is for you to think at least as highly about yourself as God thinks about you. Most people take this because of human sight. They take this and they say, well, this is just prideful. God intends for you to think about yourself the way he thinks about you. You are righteous because of Jesus Christ. Don't use that false humility and tell me, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you're saved, your identity is no longer a sinner. Get rid of that. You're now a saint. And if you're a saint, God will begin to deal with you about how to steward what he gives you. How to get rid of the surface tension of humanality or humanistic, being a human. The surface tension of just natural understanding. He wants to get rid of that. He wants to show you how to handle. And when you, when you understand sainthood, when you understand stewardship, you'll realize that your sons and daughters are the most high. And you'll understand what son of the king actually means. Son and daughter of the king actually means. God is my father. You could say, well, only when you're good. God is my father because I had nothing to bring to the party. Amen. Now notice this, he says in verse number three, not to think more highly. Um, verse four, well, in verse three, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The faith is not yours, it's what he gave you. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many as one body in Christ, individually members of one, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. People of God, when we recognize this, we realize that God connects us with others while we connect with the foundation or with the, with the boundaries around there. So each one of us have this gift. We work perfectly together. We work perfectly together. Amen. Amen. Notice what else it says here, and, and we'll, we'll try and close with this. He says, having gifts in verse 6, he says, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in, in, in proportion to our faith. Notice he says that you're going to encourage, exhort, comfort 
That's what prophecy does based on the Bible. You're going to do those things in accordance with the grace and the measure of faith that God gave us. Here's the point. God never intended for you to be without a cheerleader who comforts you, encourages you, and exhorts you. But you see, you'll ignore that if you, if, you, if you don't have the end result right. You'll ignore that and you'll think people like me are just nuts. Rejoice when you share in that suffering. People go, I'm doing that. Glory in tribulation. Nope, not going to do that either. Because you all think I'm nuts. And yet the Bible says those things. It's God's intent. God intends for you to glory in tribulation. So it produces perseverance, so perseverance produces character, and so character produces hope. And that's why you are hopeless. Because you don't have the character, the perseverance, nor the glory in tribulations that Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 tells us. Are you with me? See, he's trying to get us to build and to do these things. Now, why is this about money? Let me just close this up. Because in this list, down in about the 8th, 7th or 8th verse, it says... Next verse, please. There it is. He exhorts and exhorts. I could have explained all these to you, but look at this one. He who gives with liberality. Notice that inside the wiring that God gives us, based on grace, is a giving that brings liberality, or literally freedom. This giving brings freedom. Do it in freedom. See, the reason I'm giving you these money talks and taking you into the very depths of this, this intent thing is because God intends for all of us to give freely. It should free us. It should be a manifestation of freedom. We know the end result from giving. Do you know the end result from giving? Freedom. Liberty. Let each who gives, give this way. Let it come from the freedom that's in your heart. Amen? You say, I don't have much freedom. That's why you're probably not giving the way you should give. So you haven't turned that loose. Say, well, I never prophesy. It's because in the apportionment of your faith, you can't see the end result that God says you are here to be an encourager, an exhorter, a comforter. And you can go through that list and you'll see yourself in it. And you'll go, man, see, the one, the one right after that says, he who leads. Notice that God says in leadership comes the wiring of diligence. Do you know that I've never skipped church? As a leader, I've never skipped church. I'm prepared to preach even when I'm in somebody else's church. I've never skipped church. Want to know why? Leadership comes with diligence. You recognize that? I know the end result. I was in the church the other day, last time I was gone, in Julesburg. My wife and I went there. We know him and wanted to just be an encourager. That's part of what we do. And, and to, to just pour that grace out. And, and when I walked in, he says, oh, I wish I'd known you were coming. And I've heard it a hundred times. He says, I would have had you preach. I came to encourage you and to clap over your sermon. See, I can't. Because all the pastors believe if you get to churches of any size and have anything, you must be a really good preacher. Man, I'm as average as average can be without God. I know the end result. If you're going to lead, you do it with diligence. You always prepare yourself. If you're going to prophesy, you know that there's going to be exhortation, encouragement, and comfort in those things. Man, be good at those things. Let them be tested with fire. Everybody feels better when somebody claps for them. 
right? We got, we got videos this week of our four-year-old granddaughter doing the dance thing at school. And you know how that works, right? Everybody's in a line, and they're ready, and the music starts, and everybody goes, and turns and looks at the teacher to see what they're supposed to do next, right? And they're all, they're all half a step behind with the music. You know that they're supposed to have their hands up here, and, and they're really supposed to be clapping, you know, and then they clap, and they're three beats behind, all that kind of stuff. I was so pleased to watch my granddaughter. Can I point out to you that the Father of God, the Father God, never gets tired of seeing what you do. If you read the word and fall asleep, I've never known a father who got mad when their child fell asleep on their lap. See, see how you can see the end result better? Well, you pray more. If you fall asleep praying, praise God, you fell asleep in the arms of God. He's not unhappy at you. Can I encourage you with that? You, do you... Come on, music team, because if I don't stop, I'll just keep going. <laughs> that was a, you know, that was kind of a Yogi Berra thing. If I don't, if I don't stop, I'll just keep going. <laughs> yep, those are your two options. <laughs> Amen. I'm done. Stand with me, would you please? Thank you, music team. Appreciate you guys' faithfulness. Oh, we bless you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you today. We just give you praise. We give you honor, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking words of frailty and flesh, Father, and turning them into living and active and powerful words that separate and pierce, Father, separating what looks like it could never come apart to bring it into those, those understandings, those perspectives, Father, that says, this is how I separate those things. Father, we thank you today that there is a very distinct difference between your ways and your intent. When we co-labor with you, we find your intent. We thank you, Father, that you are creating in us your building. You are building Jesus Christ for all the world to see through his people, every part of the body. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.